0: Hello, and welcome to the first official ever episode of the Grove podcast. I'm Moz, your host. And on today's episode, I'm John joined, joined by Andrea, hello, Tom, hello. and Will.
1: Yo, what's up, people? Hello.
0: So the Grove podcast is all about Arsenal, right? And we're just four from a group of 60 plus people from all over Europe and the world who share passion about the best team in world football am i right in saying that guys
2: sounds about oh yeah absolutely
0: so without further ado let's just get straight onto the point what a way to start a podcast when we win 5-0 against crystal palace right what were your thoughts on the game guys
3: um well i think for me um it's a a great way to come back from the from the break um it was interesting because i think it was a five goals I don't think quite a five star performance, you know, there was some brilliant stuff around the set plays and our counter attacks were were very, very good and efficient, but I still felt we were a little bit disjointed in and around the box. We failed to create in and around the box, you know, and stuff like that. So, so I think, think, great start, great way to come back, but it means also there's still room for improvement as well as we move into Forest and the Liverpool games coming up.
0: Okay. Tom, what about yourself?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was convincing. Um, I just sort of praise the heavens that we didn't lose um, because that would have really sort of put us down because it was one of the games that we had to win. Um, so it was nice that it was convincing. Um, I think we spoke about it before where it certainly wasn't one of our best performances of the season, but we can't take any credit away. Um, I think Palace were pretty poor um, and it was good to see us uh, scoring from set-piece. I know we, I, I don't get, Not it's not that I don't get it, but when I see the stats around how many goals we score from set-pieces, set it surprises me because I, f- I feel like we've been just not on it at all with set-pieces recently. Um, each, all of our corners have been going to the front post and whatnot. Um, so it's nice to see a score from that. And obviously, Martinelli had a sort of banging impact when he came on. So... So yeah, I mean, you can't complain about anything, really.
0: Can I ask you two questions based on that, just before I come to you, Will. Two questions is, this is to, the, mm. to you guys. Would anyone, aside from Martinelli, so would Trossard or Saka, for example, would have scored the two chances that Martinelli had? That's my first question.
3: I would say Saka, yes, if he was coming from, you know, the, the right hand, right-hand yeah. side. Um, coming in on his left, sweep it in. Uh, I don't think Trussard. Trossard is not a typical winger. That's not what he does. He's more of an interior rather than exterior. Martinelli's more for running on those passes behind the back line, slot it in, Henri-like, which was brilliant. I think everyone liked that and, and the way he did it and the fact that he replicated it, you know. Yeah, so um, I would say Saka, yes, but not, not Trussard, It's not his style.
2: Yeah, I can second that because uh, both of his goals really came from the pace he has so I, th- I think Saka may be able to match that. He's probably not quite as quick, but Trossard certainly isn't as quick. But I think you could tell later on in the game, Saka was getting a bit tired, um, as expected. Um, but he he did do well. to uh, You notice with uh, Martinelli's second goal, uh, Saka did keep up and he probably could have squared it to Saka if he wanted to. Um, obviously, made the right choice regardless, but... Um, yeah, I think Saka did well to sort of like get there, um and obviously as we know, he is quick. But Martinelli is just stupidly fast.
0: Well, what about yourself? You've been quiet for the first five minutes of this pod, so <laughs> come on, say your piece.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess to start off with, I'll, I guess I'll be that guy. Am I happy with the performance? Let's see. Palace are fifteenth on the table, and that was their tenth loss of the year. So. Five 0 six 0 four nil. We're supposed we're supposed to get the three points. I'm not I'm not really that that sort of impressed um, in respect to sort of those those goals at the end. They're a lot easier to score when you're up three nil. Um, a lot of the pressure's off. Um, yeah, obviously Martinelli had something to something to prove, but I mean, again, those those situations are a lot easier. I mean, that situation doesn't even come about unless the scoreline is is that. Um, and then going down, there was not much pressure on. Um, we did what we were supposed to do, basically. You know, I'll sort of reserve my opinions for um, Liverpool's big match. And <laughs> we need to see what's going on with that. They're at home. That's, that's what I'll be concentrating on.
0: Okay. My other question I was going to ask you guys, aside from if Martinelli or anyone else would have scored the Martinelli chances, Eze for Crystal Palace is way... Out, way outperforming his, his talent, right? He is in the wrong team. I could see him at somewhere like Arsenal in the next year or two. I really could. He was brilliant. And it, it spoke volumes on, on FOTMOB when you could see the ratings after the match. I think no one else for Palace was above a 7.2 or even a 7, but Eze was at 8.0 for his, his match rating, which just spoke volumes in a, a 5-0 jobbing I mean, they never had many chances, but for him to have an 8.0 was was quite telling. And I think the Palace fans know that and they're worried about it, hence why we've seen the banners at the end and, and whatnot.
3: Uh, yeah, no, he was the one that stood out for me. In you know, I was quite near the pitch um, watching the game. You get a really good view, view of him. So, yeah, no, I'd love to see him in the, in the, in the red and white. I, I think he just signed a, a contract extension at the, at the beginning of the year. So he could be quite quite pricey so so who knows but yeah I, I think he's he looks like a an Arsenal player in the waiting it's as always it's down to the, the numbers and and where he would potentially fit but yeah I know I I, I, I I enjoyed his performance so you know you know it was easy to enjoy it because they were losing and stuff like that but yeah he definitely stood out for them so
0: sorry Will I was just going to ask you as well what your thoughts were on on Eze and if you can see him in an Arsenal shirt. And if not, I have a funny feeling you'll say no for some reason, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I just have a funny feeling you'll say no. So tell us why, tell us why not.
1: Um, He's a good player. And I was like, I was sitting in the lower section, section four. So again, got a good view of him. Um, no real complaints, but from, I mean, I don't watch enough of Palace personally, but in, in listening to and hearing Palace supporters, um, he doesn't play the same when Elisee isn't in the side. Um, like he's not, he's not as good. They work really well as a tandem together. So him coming to Arsenal, I could see that. But it's who are we going to be sort of pairing him up with? Are we? Are we assuming that that Partey is out the door? You know, are we and the cost, like the cost is going to make a difference to me too. If you're saying, oh, he's he's sixty-five, seventy million, I'm going to tell you no, because um, I think we could find somebody for a lot less than that um yeah it's he, he had a decent rating but he was the best guy on a bad team having a horrible day so again i don't watch enough of palace to to sort of comment on you know how he is as an actual player except from hearing from some of the palace guys that say yeah he's good but you really notice his performance drop a bit when Elise isn't in the side and and vice versa basically
0: so what I get from that is that you think that we're signing Elise and Eze in the summer.
3: Let's get them all, man. Let's bring them all in. Yeah. It's, not, it's not our money, so yeah, let's go for it.
0: <laughs> we buy enough merch anyway. Look at Andrea's background. No, None of the listeners will
3: be able to see the background. But it's just full arsenal. Um, so. Anyway, um,
0: just wanted to mention a couple of things that I noticed at the game um, from my point of view, my perspective. The first thing, the the, the most noticeable thing that a lot of the, the fans around me had mentioned as well was we noticed Declan Rice taking the the first corner for the that led to the Gabriel goal, right? And the guy sitting behind me was saying, no, why is he doing that? We need him kind of at the edge of the box or... In the middle of the pitch, just in case they start to counter, and he can be the one that breaks it up. But hey, we got we got a goal from it. Did anyone else see that coming? Was that something that you had thought about previously? Do you guys even think about that kind of thing?
2: I think he's I think he's probably uh, the most dangerous crosser we've got. To be honest, you see him sort of taking indirect free kicks from maybe like forty yards out and picking them into the box, and he just he whips it with pace and power and usually gets a bang on the money um and i can see why people would say that he should be in the box because he's tall or sitting on the edge because he can hit, hit it but if he's going to put a very good crossing from a corner then why not have him there
3: no um, i mean look to be honest it can't we had to make a change after was it fulham and and west ham and liverpool are corners uh, particularly from trossard you know and and i find it unbelievable that professional footballers cannot routinely take a good corner Uh, i don't know what you know but anyway so we needed to make a change um so i was i was all for it and i said it was right in front of me what was funny there was a clip that was released on uh, twitter on the social media the whole palace fans were giving declan rice a whole heap of abuse calling him up you know, calling him whatnot, and all the rest of it, and then and he, and I saw him, and he actually laughed, he smiled, and then he took the corner, one nil. So you know, <laughs> it, it proved it, it proved it worked. But uh, yeah, we had we had to make a change because, and it's a shame because I think Tom, you were saying you, you know earlier about you know our our, our set of pieces, and they and they've not been great, and surprised at the number of goals we scored. I think it's now thirteen non-penalty goal. Uh, contributions from 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 set some, from set pieces, but I think yeah, it stalled over the Christmas period. So we've been good up until then. I don't know what happened over Christmas, and then hopefully, with the last two, well, with this game, you can see we've been working out working on it in Dubai. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for the change, and and I don't care who takes them, just as long as they just get the ball in the box and we get ahead on it. I did hmm.
0: see that clip. It was quite funny when um, when Declan Rice had smiled because the camera panned towards the goal. And I just wanted to see Declan Rice's reaction back to the fans when the ball went in the net. Because for some reason, I think he might have just turned around and gave him a little wink or a smile or, or a nod. Just something that would have been pretty um, pretty funny. Uh, well, I'll come to you. So another question about in terms of Saka's performance on, on the weekend. I've seen tweets about people saying that he's not back to his anywhere near his best form. He's dropped off a lot recently, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on, obviously he didn't score or assist on Saturday, but what did you make of his performance on the whole, um, whilst watching the game live?
1: It's, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, it's been, it's been a few games now and, you know, he gets double teamed, triple teamed. Um, I think is that when you're double and triple teamed, that means that people are open. Um, And I don't know if, if this isn't being sort of worked on in training about how to spot the open man, but it seems that it, it goes in there. He'll dance around with it for a little bit, maybe a couple triangle passes and then, and then, and then it's back out again. Um, He doesn't really seem to be doing too much to be honest with you. Um, He doesn't seem to be a threat. I can't remember really the last time I've watched him just go by somebody um, and then have it actually amount to something. So I mean, I don't know if he's tired. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but personally, if, if there were options on that side, the same way with Martinelli, I was like, yo, this guy needs a break or he needs a reality check to say that you're not, you know, your name isn't written on the team sheet and permanent marker. Um, because for me, for what he's getting paid, like I need more. Like I am, I expect a lot from professional athletes that make 300 grand, 300 grand a week. Like I do and I don't care who has anything to say about it. Like that's your job. The same way tabs can't understand why they can't seem to take a corner. <laughs> like yeah, like I'm, gonna need, yeah like, like I'm gonna need more from you if if you're supposed to be a star boy or world class which he's not yet in my opinion uh,
3: no it just not to counter it but just to maybe add to it or maybe provide some reasoning i i think ben white has not been right for a couple of months i think he's been injured or something there's something right there so so when he's got that outlet who isn't then you know bombing down the outside of him overlapping he's been doing it less and, and ben white looked so much better. I mean, not only is he beautifully tanned, but he was actually making, mm. uh, you know, uh, a lot more runs and being a bit more of an attacking threat. And he looked like his his old self. So I think I think that's also had to part to play of it. Also, I think Odegaard. So we we often compare last year. I don't think Odegaard is quite as close to him as connected to him this year as he was last year. I think Odegaard's position or or role in the team has maybe slightly changed with Dagnall. So so I I would suggest also as you said the doubling up the tripling up. But I think there are also other team factors that mean we're not getting the the best out of him. But yes, I think he I think I think the thing is also his level, his bad game is still a six, seven out of ten. Yeah. You know, he, he never drops below below that. Uh, and we we love him and we we want him to do well and we have high expectations. And so when he doesn't meet those, we always yeah, feel a bit un, uneasy about it. But I think I think there are circumstances around it as well. I, I know think- he's good.
0: Sorry Tom I was just going to quickly mention I know he scored against Fulham but no attacking returns against West Ham the 2-0 loss Liverpool when we drew one all, and Brighton when we won 2-0 and Villa when we when we when we lost 1-0 to them so it's quite quite interesting that you know four of those matches he's not even managed to score or assist or, or do something of note which is what this the, this basis of the tweet was that you know if you're meant to be as we'll say as a star boy and we don't think he is yet he's not world he's not the the best in the world or anywhere near at the moment but he can be um the tweet was basically saying that you know he need to see it in, in these sorts of games against the likes of West Ham when you're you're losing 1-0 or 2-0 and you you pick up or even Fulham when you're losing 2-1 and you've scored in the fifth minute of the game but you're losing 2-1 get the game by the scruff of the neck and and take charge and be that guy. Um, That's what we need, Uh, but sorry, Tom, on you go.
2: No, no worries. Um, Yeah, I think it's difficult to take credit away from him um, because it would only be say six months ago that we would be calling him one of the best wingers in the world. Um, And I think pretty much throughout last season, he showed that and at least at the start of this season, so yeah, I th- I think as a collective sort of attacking unit, our front three, so to speak, have not been hitting those stats that we would be expecting from them. Um, and that's just sort of been across the board. Um, and, and like it's been mentioned, we've we've got Odegaard sitting a bit deeper perhaps because we've not got Shacker anymore. So we're kind of playing with those two attacking-minded attacking centre midfielders. So... Odegaard's not in the mix as much, um, and that could have a knock-on effect. But yeah, I just think overall sort of Martin has been not get he's not been hitting those goals that he was last season. Um Odegaard hasn't, and Saka, so it's more of a rounded impact, I think. Okay. Cool. Um
0: another thing I wanted to mention to you guys, I've just got so many thoughts in my mind about this result. Um I had a four and a half hour train journey to think about all of this stuff. So um, forgive me for dumping this all on you guys, but just thinking back to other opinions that I've read online or from hearing from fans you know, on the tube or uh, on, on the way out of the stadium, VAR checks in terms of, so we, we scored five goals, right? And I think for four out of those five goals, there was a VAR check or a delay in resumption of play from... The, the kickoff. So in fact, it might have been three. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to hear your guys' opinion because I think personally, I'll give you my opinion first. Since I'm I'm asking all the questions, but I'll answer this one as well. Um, I don't agree with it. I hate it. I think um, the the minute when you're waiting, when Palace are about to kick off again, and the referees tell them to wait, and it's the the announcer in the stadium hasn't even announced who scored. I don't think he did for a good few minutes after we scored as well for for Gabrielle's. I think it might have been a second goal. Fair enough, unusual circumstances. But they just seem to be checking every little thing. And I haven't had a chance to watch Match of the Day. I don't know if they showed um, you know, the what they were checking, the the offsides or, or fouls or whatever on. But certainly in the highlights that Arsenal posted and um Sky Sports posted, there was nothing about that. So for me it just kills the the fun in the stadium. You celebrate and then you have to wait and then the other the Palace fans kinda give you a little bit of stick and then you celebrate again, but it just takes away the fun for me. um You're always kind of looking at the linesman or the referee to see if they have their their finger in their ear. i Just wanted
3: to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the Trossard one was the most sort of the one that like with the with the lines and stuff. So that was that was close, but it was it was on. Awesome. no, but I, I agree. It did it did kill the atmosphere a bit. You're sort of like, well, do I celebrate fully or not, and and all the rest of it. I, I think. The general atmosphere was was relatively quiet just because of the circumstances around around the game. But yeah, you're right. It it does does kill it a bit. And it, it seems like they're looking for reasons why to disallow the goal, it, you know, rather than thinking right, you scored fair enough. They're looking for any excuse. What can we find to to disallow this goal? So rather than it being the opposite, saying you know, how can we make sure that this goal stands, it just sort of like sort of seems to be the antithesis of what football is about. That the VAR is doing so yeah the first one gabriel he just got up early he was bigger stronger header the second one ben white was just standing still the goalkeeper then made out that he got in his way but ben white was standing his ground and and trossard was 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 yeah i'll say miles inside you, you know it was it was closer than i think we thought but yeah so yeah i i i agree it's just a shame that they're looking for reasons why to take away goals rather than you know have the goals are scored nothing wrong let's move on etc
1: yeah i mean i think in in theory i've got no i've got no issue with var I, i want i want the calls to be correct there's there's too much money involved i mean number one just from just from a betting standpoint you can't go around any town center without swinging a cat hitting a betting shop The commercials are all through the game. They're all through the halftime, they're everywhere. So just from that standpoint, I would assume that the prem would want the cost to be correct because there's literally hundreds of millions, billions of pounds, euros, dollars going on it. From attending in the stadium, I mean, assuming assuming your stadium has like the big jumbotron screens, just show us what you're looking at. The fact that they just put VAR check on there is annoying. And I think that's what bothers people the most. If if it was actually to be on there, we could actually see what they're looking at and give the fans something to look at. I don't think it would be as as bad. Um, but I mean, would I want like some people for VAR just to go away? Uh, probably not. Because again, I I just I just want them to get the right call. So I think we're um, I think we're stuck with it for a little bit while they um, I don't know sort of tweak it year on year. Yeah, I can definitely agree. Um,
2: I think all season, as as an Arsenal fan, you kind of felt like the whole world's against you when it comes to VAR. Um, But I'm sure fans of most clubs probably feel like that um, because you you obviously focus more on the decisions that go for and against you um, for the club that you support. But yeah, I, I mean, we've had so many sort of controversial, big decisions not go our way this season. Um, I've got to admit like obviously none of those goals should have been disallowed at the weekend but when they were going to VAR I just I was confident that some of them were going to get overturned um, just because like Andrea said you kind of feel like that they're looking for a way or looking for an excuse to not give us a goal um, but yeah thankfully that didn't happen.
0: In terms of the overall result though, right? let's just wrap this up, this part of the pod with by talking about the game, by just saying obviously a 5-0 win. Huge victory for us. Good to get a good goal difference, especially after Liverpool beat Bournemouth 4-0 subsequently on, on Sunday. Um, good to keep pace. Put some a little bit of daylight between us and, and Villa in terms of goal difference and, and that kind of thing. But the one thing I was most impressed about was, uh, and I've been a, an avid Aaron Ramsdale lover for a long, long time now, but the one thing that I was most impressed with was was David Raya. He made that one misplaced pass, shall we say, that almost gave me the the nightmares from Southampton last season with Ramsdale. But um, certainly the throw for for the goal just i seen it again on Twitter this morning. i seen someone put down saying Aaron Ramsdale would have caught that ball, fell to the ground and stuck his tongue out at the um, the away fans. So that was quite telling that, you know, David Raya got the ball. We don't know what Aaron Ramsdale would have done, but Raya got the ball, picked it up and just found the most perfect throw. And that just summed up what kind of afternoon we were having and, and going to have in the game. It was just everything was working well for us in terms of the chances that we... We managed to score, so yeah. Overall, great performance, in my opinion. Um, after the last few games, I know you guys are saying it's not a five star. I don't agree. It's, it's not a five star performance. Um, or I agree. I, I, I should rather say that it's it's not a five star performance, but great to get back to winning ways. Win five nil when we when we've not really we've won what one in the last seven before that. So it was just a good a good way to to start this next run and hopefully we can kick on. Just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Emile Smith role because obviously he came on with, what, maybe about 25 minutes or so of the game to go. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on, first off, the reception he got, which was amazing inside the stadium and just in terms of where did we go because in the morning of the game there was news about him potentially being linked with West Ham, which obviously was rebuffed by Um, both sides, to be honest, on social media. So, yeah, just interested to hear your thoughts on Emile Smith-Rowe and what role he can play in this team.
2: I think um, we can all say that he had an impact when he came on. He looked sharp, but that was against the Palace side that was done. They had lost the game. Kind of, they had given up a bit. Um, So, yeah, he had an impact, but... For me, he's almost not been putting on that display when he's come on in other games this season. Um, he's sort of been coming on and just not really looking like he's going to get us a goal or really changing the game. Um, we all love him, um, so it's hard to say that you'd want him to go elsewhere. Um, obviously, him and, him and Saka are our hair men boys, but yeah um I don't know does he need more game time or because he just seems to be coming on sort of like towards the end of the end of the game and I'll get a few minutes of game time, but does he sh- should we see him start a couple of games maybe um yeah, I'm not sure I wouldn't want him to go any- anywhere else, but he's um not been massively effective if, if that makes sense.
0: Let me ask you this though right if we were to receive a bid tomorrow morning for sixty five million for Emil Smith rowe would you take it? Oh, you <laughs> of course, <laughs> exactly take, true, yeah? take, take, <laughs>
1: half, take half of that. <laughs> yeah, twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Would you actually be sure to take twenty-five mil for?
1: Uh, he is, goal? Yeah. Miles, yeah. he is, he is, he is done. Arteta has he's shown us his plans to him. The only reason he got in that game was because the scoreline, and we had to give some people some rest. And he's one of the only guys to put in. Like he's, he's, he's done. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, look, yeah, look we're terrible at se- it. we're,
3: terri- <laughs> we're we're terrible at selling, and and, and it, we make it so clear when a player when Arteta makes it clear when he's no used to used to him anymore. So maybe this is part of the straight. Yeah, obviously he's going to talk him up and all and all the rest of it, and and maybe he has to give him more game time, and maybe he can contribute. But we're living off two years ago. We're living off Saka, Emile Smithrow Rowe coming in. Okay, he saved Arteta's job, I would say, uh, to a certain extent. And they came in and did a great job. But that's that's like, you know, we're talking two years now. And I think we've moved on. Um, I, I think Arteta doesn't like him because of his off-the-ball work. So attacking-wise, great. Off the ball, not, not nothing compared to Jesus, Saka, uh, Havertz, Martinelli, and all the rest of it, Odegaard, yeah. defensively. So he, do, he doesn't off that. And and so, basically, if you don't do what Arteta wants, as back to your point about, you know, I was going to mention something about Ramsdale. Ramsdale, that's why he's out of favor. Uh, Smith Rowe, so of course, he's going to talk him up and say, Yeah, he's been great and all the rest of it, but yeah, I, I for me, uh, maybe taking a leaf out of Wales' controversial book. Yeah, for me, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm agnostic, shall we say? I just want th- the players to play well and do their best and all the rest of it. I'm not going to be wedded to him if he's not performing, then let's do the most that we can t- sell him. So, actually, on the West Ham point, if he went there, did well, increases value, fine with me. The only issue is is that if it, if we don't have bodies and when we need bodies towards the end of the season. But uh but but yeah, no. I like him coming on if he does well. But I like any player that comes on and does well.
0: So, yeah. I think um if we were doing this podcast on the first of January and the transfer window, you know, had just opened and Smithrow was being linked with other teams, then I would say yeah, absolutely sell him because we could easily strengthen and, and get someone who would actually be a a regular, potentially not even starter, but someone who comes on and can make a, a serious impact, like a Martinelli or a Trossard or a, you know, someone like that. Um, but now there's what a week left of the transfer window, or just over a week. So, I don't know whether there's enough time to even if we did sell or loan them out. Is there enough time to replace? I I doubt it. I don't even think we're linked to anyone. But we'll we'll come onto that in a in a little bit. Um. In terms of well, speaking of transfer window, obviously we all seen Ivan Tony's return uh, for Brentford. It was interesting that he got such a good reception, and um, someone had said oh, David Brooks returned from cancer and you know was playing for Bournemouth again, and no one made a big deal about that. But for Ivan Tony, they're like, did they not dim the stadium lights and play WWE music and things um, for him to come back onto the pitch? And there was a full thing, like a countdown on Brentford's Twitter. And this was all whilst Ivan Tony was saying that he is happy to move to a bigger club and but he wants to stay at Brentford for a while because he wants to repay the faith and, oh, I don't know. So, yeah, just interested to hear your guys' views on, firstly, his goal that potentially shouldn't have been a goal and I think that Forrest have complained about it officially and also um, just, yeah, would you take Ivan Tony at Arsenal in, in this transfer window? Yeah.
2: Um yeah I, I thought it was pretty pathetic to be honest um the entrance he got um he, i mean he's he's coming back after breaking breaking the law really isn't he so it's not really something you want to sort of glamorize um but i mean i just yes they should be happy with him coming back but i think it's just way over the top um the free kick uh, is I mean it's a good good goal I saw him sort of like move it across and then sort of like moved uh, the disappearing paint across um so yeah was definitely a bit dodgy um and very bold for him still in his first game back um especially given the circumstances but um and then so going on to him at Arsenal to, to be honest I think he's a great player but I don't, I wouldn't want him there personally um it just it's down to his personality. If I'm honest, I think he's a bit too arrogant. Um, you see him in the diary of a CEO interview. Um, he sort of said a few things in there that, that were questionable for me, but I just sort of like let that pass. But then recently where he's been saying, oh, if the, if the right bid came in, then who knows? Obviously, I want to move to a top club, blah, blah, blah. I think that's disrespectful to the club that he's playing for. We don't want to play him like that here. Um, ability aside, I think he would do a good job up top, but I think he would just fall out of Arteta. Um and things would go pretty south, then you have got a maybe in a years year or two time you've got a hundred million player, hundred million pound player, sorry, um, that you need to get rid of.
0: I think it's he's quite old as well, isn't he, in terms of what Arteta looks for and Well, in terms of what Arteta looks for, do you reckon? Do you think Arteta maybe goes for younger now? Hence why we're not signing Benzema and and
1: whatnot. I mean, it's a big difference between, between 36 and 28. I mean, like one's mm-hmm. in the absolute middle of his physical prime and the other one's past it. Um, for me, yeah, he wants to get the age profile lower. Cause these players are cheaper, but I mean, sports is the, what have you done for me lately? We need to win now. I don't care about five years from now. Tony is good now. He's in his prime now. Um, and it will get to a point. I mean, Arteta's is lucky that that big Stan doesn't care about soccer. Because if he did, he wouldn't let a manager interrupt and cause any issues with players who he thought could win games. If this was his NFL team, he would not let a coach come before a player because players win games, coaches coach. Like when it gets marginal, a coach should make the difference, but they're not out there on the pitch. They're not out there on the field. Um, I'd like to see him come, but what, for a for hundred million? It's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money, um, and they're not going to let him go in January. Like you, you really it, it, it have to be something stupid like 150 million for them to even think about letting him go. No, no they're,
3: they're not letting him go. I mean, Bremo is injured. wissers at the Afcon, okay. So no, they're short. They need. They're, they're not going to let him go. He's not. Worth, I'd, I'd take him at half the price. 100 million. That's a lot of money. But yeah, to Wales' point, I'd love to see him here. I think it would be good. He'll be an option. I think he's great his age profile, he's finding his prime, you're right. We need to, we need to think about, you know, we can't always be on a project. We always can't always be, oh, we'll get there in two, three years time. You know, at some point you've got to start winning things, got to sort of make this project, project, project count. Uh, as for his free kick, I'm all for that. It's up to the referee to manage the game. If he can do it and move it, I, you know, and okay, if he was on our team and he did that, would you say, oh, no, no, I don't no. Of course you'd love it. And, and why not? It's opportunistic. And, and um, I'm all for it. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize he moved the phone when I saw that. Okay, that's maybe taking it too far. If he just moved the ball. Because you see it, goalkeepers do it all the time. They spin the ball forward and it goes 10 yards. People move. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get my knickers in a twist about, uh, about that. What would be interesting is how Arteta man, manages, yeah, Maverick, inverted commas, players. Because he, he likes to have nice people around him, nice players. All the people with a bit of attitude, a bit bit of personality, shall we say, a bit uh, bigger, you know, trying to be bigger than the club, whatever it is, he's moved on. So maybe the next stage of his development as a, as a coach, as a manager is is one thing having all your and boys or the, the nice players. How are you going to manage a team where someone's maybe a brilliant on the pitch and will win you trophies, but maybe not so great in the dressing room? And that would be interesting for Arteta in his, in his evolution. As a, as a coach is how he deals with that because you can't go through uh, being a football coach without having to deal with these personalities and I don't think he's that's in his warehouse at the moment
0: what other player in world football is like that the, the big ego what other striker in world football is big ego and realistically an option for us to sign because my mind thinks is Vlahovic that type of character as well he kind of he comes across that way, doesn't he? Just big, egotistical, but
1: they've all got an ego. They're professional athletes, man. It's yeah, like, they've uh, all got an ego. Some of them I hide it by, better than others.
0: But what I mean by that is, like you know, you, you look at Gabriel Jesus and Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli, right? These guys, you can tell, are just yes men. They'll 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 say whatever Arteta asked them to do, which is which is fair enough, and that's what our, as Andrea says, that's what Arteta likes. But if you have a, a Vlaovic or a Tony, for example you know is that the only two players are there any strikers in world football that arteta thinks that he can tame essentially i don't think there is
1: we don't really want him to tame them do we i mean a lot of these guys the edge is what gives them their their abilities i don't want my manager taming anybody you know i mean i don't want you obviously creating divisions in the locker room but like i don't need I don't need a sports psychologist for my manager to be, I need my manager to be able to, to manage the players, go out there, score goals, come back and just don't tear the whole thing down. Um, there seems to be a shortage to be fair of like primetime strikers in the prime of their careers. So yeah, it's, it, it's tough to say. I mean, Tony keeps popping up because obviously he's here in the country. He's as people like to say, premiership proven. Um, and it's obviously he's going to move on from Brentford, but, yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't know who else we could even be really speaking about that's feasible you know for us to get and that can get along with Arteta because eventually he's going to have to get along with somebody that he doesn't like Mm -hmm. or the ownership will move him along
3: yeah
0: so we're not seeing any lacazette cedric style training ground bust-ups for a while yet then
3: um (laughs) But, but they happen all the time. We just don't hear about it. Yeah, that that yeah. must happen all the time. Look, you know, you've played football at various levels, Miles and all the rest of it. You, you, it people disagree it, heat of the moment stuff. So, that, yeah, I don't get too stressed about, about, about that. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Arteta needs to maybe at, at some point bite the bullet. The only thing is, if it was to splash 100 million on one player, He's, you've always got to think bigger picture. You know, we've got to rebuild our midfield. I think in in, in the summer we need potentially wide forward. We need this interface. So so it's not always just about can we get the get the player. It's what is the impact of splashing all your cash on one player versus the rest of the team. So I, I think we all agree. I think well, I don't know. I, I think it's great. I think he'll do really well. But it's it's price. Yeah, I think he's they're pricing him out. And there's they you know, Brent Brentford are saying 100 million. You know, because they can. <laughs> you know, the reality of the situation unless Chelsea come along and
2: say, okay, here you go. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think <laughs> just to so, sorry, I quickly round that off um, with, with Tony, um, I think regardless as to whether you want him or not, I think we want to see cause he's had so, so many away months out. Um, you want to see him sort of like put in and getting, getting those goals for at I mean, least six months before you spend hundred million on him. Um I think yeah. it would be foolish to do that now.
0: I don't. I think it would be the most stupid decision from the club if we had signed Ivan Tony for a hundred mil. I even if we sign him for seventy plus, I think it's just stupid. He's good at Brentford, but I don't know. I just, I just can't see us doing it. I really can't. I th- and I know Andrea say it's time for us to not to stop doing a project all the time and just sign that one person, but I really think that the club see us. As that team who are having a, a young core of players, growing a little bit older together, and then kick on. I really it'd be really interesting to hear what the five stage plan is and where we're at now, and where the club would have as <laughs> this season. the The,
3: the thing is, we say so, say so with that you know that project, we've got we've got two years that we need to maximise, so to make most of the players. So, so for instance, something you take Saliba. Saliba's gone in two years' time, unless we're we're like at the top table and we're and we're winning things. Yeah, okay, that that that's there. And then the knock-on effect of that. So, yeah, I think we all like the project. We all like evolution and stuff like. that. But as I think, Well also mentioned it, you've got to do something, do something now. And to use the NFL NFL speak, you know, Cronky just just uh, splashed all his money on on winning the twenty twenty. Super Bowl or 2021 Super Bowl and they're paying for it now but boy they had a great season they, they're champions and, and and so on so at some point yeah you've got to you've got to bite that bullet and a project stops when your projects and you're hearing now because the other teams you, you know at some point Man United will get their act together Chelsea annoyingly they got money you know Liverpool are Liverpool city or city you know we can't always just be that Oh, only one or two players away from a decent squad.
0: <laughs> I love how you never mentioned Tottenham in that because we all know Tottenham <laughs> yeah. never win a it right? <laughs> yeah. It's even funnier that Harry Kane's not going to win the Bundesliga and Granit Xhaka <laughs> will win it before Harry Kane does. That is
3: just blowing my mind. The uh, one season, it prior, was there. It was there on the tip of my tongue. I, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just looking ahead, then a week tomorrow until our next game, Forest away which is quite a long time when you think about it. We've just had that week-long break. I don't know if we should just send the players back to Dubai for a quick four-day stint there, <laughs> uh, see if they come back even better after after this. But Yeah, Ben, ben nice White saying, needs
3: to yeah. top up his tan.
0: <laughs> I mentioned during the game, funnily enough, how tanned he was. He was running down the wing, and I was in the clock end in the upper tier, and I remember him in the first half just running down the wing, and I just said to my friend who was next to me, I said, he has got a really nice tan, doesn't he? And um, yeah, the, the guys in front were just laughing, chuckling to themselves. And um, yeah, he just, there's a picture going around on social media, wasn't there, of him in Dubai next to Declan Rice. And what a I
1: but that tan yeah, is what, unhealthy like let's be honest here you, you call it nice but that tan is unhealthy like his skin is gonna his skin's gonna like worn out leather in like five years
0: <laughs> i just hope ben white doesn't listen to the the grove podcast um, you know, in, oh uh, no
1: no he, no he won't it's about football so don't worry about <laughs> it he won't be listening to it at all there we go.
0: but yeah looking ahead to forest um it's quite interesting that obviously we have a fair break, if you like, between games. Um, To be honest with you, I can't see anything past us winning against Forrest. I I don't think they looked great, even though obviously they they played okay at times, but when you only have Chris Wood as an outlet, really, I think we can cope with him. I think Saliba and Gabriel will be able to cope with him pretty well. Um, Brentford made it difficult for themselves. I, I watched the game, and they made it difficult for themselves, but yeah, I just can't see anything past us winning it at, at Forest, and really, this is our chance. I know, I think you'll all agree with me that this is our chance now for us to kick on, right? If we beat Forest, we go into the Liverpool game full of confidence. You know, we've we've won two out of the, the last two games. Even if we beat Forest by say three or four goals, put up our goal difference a bit, and really come down on and breathe down Liverpool's necks. So, I'm assuming you all think we're going to beat Forest, all right. right?
2: Yeah, I think it's like if you put it down to ability and team sheets, then yeah, you'd say we'd win all day. But as we know, that's not all, always the case. Obviously, we went to Luton and yes, we won, but didn't expect them to stick two past us. And I, I city grounds are a difficult place to go. Um, I, the crowd would be up for it because, as they always are with the big games or the big teams. Um, so yeah, I think the players would be up for it. The crowd would be up for it. So I don't think it will be easy, but we should theoretically win
0: <laughs> i think forest performance levels have also increased a wee bit since this whole um breach has the financial breaches has, has been announced i think um they're trying to prove a point here and potentially survive relegation as well right so if they get 10 points deducted they'll be on on 10 points at the moment as it stands and that'll put them uh, 19th just above sheffield united
3: yeah, I think I think since Nuno's come in, yeah, I think they have they have improved. Uh, they've got Bristol City away in the cup on on Friday, so a bit like us playing Palace. Palace had to play midweek before we played them, so uh, yeah. so again, yeah, as Tom's saying, yeah, yeah, yes, we should win. Yeah, on paper we should win. Unfortunately, football's played on grass, so you know, and things can you know who who knows what happened, but yes, I, I would stay rested. And I think the ten days is good for us because we saw Declan Rice coming off saying Hammy, so we don't know what's up with him. Um, Martinelli I think he was on the bench because he wasn't 100% fit so it gives him more time to to come back Gabriel with a knee knock as, as as well so I think we're quite fortunate that we've got 10 days to to to, to potentially rest up and and all the rest of it so but even with uh other players coming in i yeah i would i would say i'm, I'm fairly fairly confident of us you know we have to we, these next three games or these three games palace forest and liverpool will have a huge impact on on what our season's going to look look like and those three together we, yeah it's, it's hard, we have to get nine points minimum i'm, I'm afraid to say because yeah yeah when I mean, you have got city getting up ahead of steam you saw liverpool yeah we 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 have to win
0: the good thing about I know we're talking ahead to the Liverpool game and don't worry guys, Who's list, whoever's listening, there will be another episode um, <laughs> weekly episodes of the Grove podcast this is not a one-off uh, can't promise that Tom will be invited back but hey, you never know <laughs> <laughs> um, before, we, before, we, <laughs> before we play Liverpool, Liverpool have to play Fulham in the League Cup Norwich in the FA Cup and then Chelsea um, which is good for us I guess, right, because we only have to play Forest and then We've got ample time in between these games. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think we need maximum points from these pictures. So, yeah, uh, Whale, well, your thoughts? Forrest, we're going to win, right? And then we're going to sign Chris Wood. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like everybody else said, we're we're supposed to win. But unfortunately, you know, we're... We don't have one of those teams where you can just sort of pencil this in. Um, for the most part, there's some teams when they play other teams, you're like, yeah, they're gonna win because we're so much better. Um, yeah, I'm ninety five, 95 five five. Like we'll win. You know, if I was, if if I, if I was gonna bet, I'd, I'd put some money on it. Um, but you never know. It could be a. Tra- this is a, a traditional trap game, as they call it. Players could easily be looking for the Liverpool. Oh, Forest! Forest! Well, we'll take care of them, and then the big games at Liverpool, and then we go and drop points at Forest. So it's it's nervous times, man. It's nervous times. Um, we just got to wait and see what happens, man. But I'm I'm confident a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you,
3: you need to get that. You need to get those splinters out of your backside, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah man. I have a fear that if we don't take maximum points from Forest, then that could be our season just unravel slowly, and people will look at Palace as that one anomaly of you know, yeah, we won in this run, but to be honest with you, I can't see us, I can't see us dropping points against against Forest. I really can't.
3: Yeah, I think the thing is, is because Man City have just set the bar so high that any points drop just seems like a disaster. If it, if it was any other, you know, say five seasons ago you have a bit more leeway now You just anything and it just ramps up the pressure on every game and you can just see them just turning that. you know De Bruyne is back Ireland will come back at some point and it just makes it just every game now is like wow it's intense you've got it and and that's why the emotional reaction is so high because you just you, you're in fear when you drop and now Liverpool are burning a bit of steam it just you start you start looking down rather than up you, you know and, and, and things like that so I think, I think that's that's why you know normally you think ah first away yeah all good I'm not going to stress it too much because now every game is like from from here on in and as I said that's why these three games make a difference to where the season goes there afterwards because coming back is is not going to be easy that you are like relying on others to to fail and for you to to to, to yeah to pick up the pieces
2: mm, yeah I think I mean even if we do get the upper hand over Liverpool and win these next two games. <laughs> You've, you've really got, got to rely on City not going on an absolute rampage and just deploying in yeah. the and tearing, tearing up the the Premier League. Um, mm. I've got to admit, I'm slightly worried about that, but hopefully mm. it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. Don't forget,
2: after Liverpool, we've got the, the
0: Declan Rice derby as well. So West Ham fans will be right up for that after after beating us earlier on, um, well, the end of last year. So I think, yeah, we just need to kick on right now. We need to, have really good results really good performances put some confidence back into the team but also um uh, which brings me on really nicely to my next and final point is the uh, confidence into the fans as well now obviously 12 30 kickoffs right they're always a little bit flat people don't have time to go to the pubs before the game and there's train strikes and um you know just different different factors at play right but there was one part where we were walking to the ground together, um which was quite nice, quite romantic, by the way. Just, just well, <laughs> me, you, and my friend who was kind of third wheeling. But it was quite nice to walk with you to the, to the Emirates. Um, and Are I you holding me, hands?
3: That- no, no, <laughs> no, no, we weren't. No,
0: I don't think we were. It was cold. It wasn't that cold. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, but I, we turned uh, towards a. I did not know the name of that street behind the Horatia, but we were turned onto the street, and I just shouted Red Army as loud as I could. Um, And there was a couple of Palace fans behind us singing some Palace songs. um, The Palace Ultras, we'll, we'll call them, all four, <laughs> all four of them. And um, not one Arsenal fan who was walking around, it was pretty busy, you know, 10 minutes before kickoff, not one Arsenal fan replied to my chant. Uh, not even Will, who was right next
1: to me. So, I do remember it. <laughs> I remember it very well and I was like this is awkward
0: <laughs> <laughs> was really think of it how I feel <laughs> I'm the one that shouted it um uh, and yeah it was just it was quite telling at that point I thought right are people nervous it was quite a nervy it was a nervy atmosphere before the game but obviously it could be because you know we haven't haven't really had a good performance of late um but it was just quite telling and then what I don't know where everyone else was sat to be honest in the game I, I forget but where I was in, in the upper tier of the clock end, it was the atmosphere was great. Um, singing all the way through, we were standing for a little bit. We were, um, you know, there was good chants going on, and yeah, the atmosphere was was great from where I was sat. So interested to hear your opinion on that, guys. And we'll go in order of Andrea Whale and then Tom because you weren't at the game. I want to hear your opinion of what it was like on TV. Yeah,
3: yeah. Just uh, I I think. I've got a couple of notes here and I and, and think as well said, awkward, You know, people may feel awkward. You're just walking along I, and it, you know, everyone supports in their own way. So for me, if people like to sing, they like to sing. If they don't, they don't, I, I I don't criticize or care care either way. And also you just shout out, people aren't expecting it. And and that group mentality, like you get in the stadium, isn't quite there yet. So they're all just getting their way to the grain. They're, they're in their own space. They're doing whatever, chatting with their mates. So I, you know, I, I I wouldn't be critical of people people not responding. I think if it's in the right environment, like we've done in the past in the, in, in the pub, we've had chance, or, or you're in the stands, that happens. Uh, I, yeah, just when you're walking there, I don't think you've got that herd mentality, the group mentality as such. Even though you're there for a common reason, you're not as one. You're still a group of individuals going towards them, And then it's when you get nearer the stadium and, and in the stadium that you are that more of a homogenous unit, which then responds and you've got the call and response type stuff so so there and in terms of the amateur in general I, I think it was good you're right. typical 12:30 game against the team they were expected to beat y- you know not a great rival we go 2-0 up half time people chat yeah so I, yeah I, I ain't gonna worry stress it stress it too much you know and stuff like that. it was
1: it was it was it was as, ex- as expected
0: Will, what do you reckon where were you sat well for the game
1: so I was i was lower and right on right on the corner flag of the uh west and uh north oh, side okay so um i mean i didn't notice that that the atmosphere wasn't wasn't great um i mean there's there's this i've sat there before it's my buddy's season ticket so there's a guy a few rows behind us who's always getting it going so it it seemed all right from from my standpoint i mean i'll be i'll be honest with you man a bit of a, a bit of a hot take here um I think the atmosphere matters more to the fans a lot of times than it actually does to the to the players. If you sort of look at, I mean, City, for instance, they're not really known for having the most raucous, you know, vociferous crowd, but they seem to do okay. Um, Newcastle, fantastic crowd. They, they're kind of, eh. So, like I said, like my like players play, players win games. So it, it's nice to get it going and it could amp them up a little bit. But it's, I mean, that place could be, a library. As long as we're winning games, it's like it's not going to bother me. And as Abs was saying, like everyone's not the same, and everyone doesn't support their team and singing and this and that. But I mean, I'll be honest with you, just coming from a North American standpoint, we're not singing at our games, so that already to me is foreign. And you've got North American fans, you've got Asian fans from like Far East Asia where they're not really doing that sort of thing either. So, um, yeah, I think you should clap and maybe yell a little bit. But I mean, what? for me, what the most important thing is that your home team looks around the stadium and sees that it's full. Now, if they see it's empty, that could be a little bit of an issue for them, but as long as the crowd is there, um, it, it it shouldn't be as big of a talking point as it is, to be honest with you, in, in my humble opinion.
0: What was it like on TV, Tom? Um,
1: I mean,
2: I don't want to deep it too much, but I think it was, it seemed a bit quieter. Um, but I mean, obviously, you have been, been to games this season against opponents, sort of like at the level of Paris, and it's been similar. I think the fixture makes a huge difference. I mean, take a, a fixture against City, for example, it was booming. Um, but then you've got teams like Paris, Everton and whatnot, where it's going to gonna be a bit quieter. Um, slightly different takes well, but I, it, it matters a lot to me in the sense of like when the crowds are rolled up and then you've got like Zinchenko and Odegaard, like getting the crowd going and it sort of like gives you that buzz. And I think that bounces from the fans to the players and vice versa. Um, and not just for the game, you, you, you're buzzing for the whole week. Like if you've come up, if you come out of a game where the atmosphere has been rocking and it's just, just a complete buzz. Um, and I, I do think it sort of reflects onto the players. Um, sort of using that Man City example, that that's kind of all they're used to. They're not they're not used to a big, loud atmosphere. Where, whereas we've shown that we can do that. So in the games where we're not given that, I think it sort of just puts things down a little bit. But yeah, that's my take.
0: Interesting. That brings us to the end of our first official Grove podcast, guys. Very well done. for. Thank you so much, in fact, firstly and foremost, for taking part. It won't be the same four people every time. There is obviously a a large group of us, over 60 of us in total. So we will chop and change. Whoever pays me the most basically gets on. That's that's how it works from now <laughs> yeah, on. Um, you've already
2: booted me out, so that's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to give a shout out to the rest of the, the Grove family um, who are listening. and We will be back in, well, not next week, but after the, the Forest game for our preview of Liverpool. I'm so nervous about it liverpool already <laughs> and um a review of when we win eight nil against forest <laughs> so nice one thanks for your time guys and we'll see you in the next one
1: thank you very much oh, bye yes we yeah, appreciate it Catch you in a bit.